Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller and this week I am uh, doing something a bit different. We've got a bit of background noise because everything's gone mad in Westminster. So we are in Portcullis House, where I am, and I am joined by Jeremy Purvis, Lord Purvis of Tweed, and I'm joined by uh, no one else because all the journalists in Westminster are too busy writing about the absolute chaos in this place. Um, Jeremy... This is surely as nutty and unpredictable as you have known politics. Uh, it's, it's, it's unpredictable in a highly predictable way. There is no surprise to me that the party 25 years ago that was riven on differences on the Maastricht Treaty that was then responsible for negotiating exit would in any way be a more united force than it was 25 years ago. And there's, I started, I cut my political teeth as a researcher here during the votes when the House of Commons was split and Betty Boothroyd, the then speaker, yes. had to ca- yes. give her a casting vote. Yeah. At that time, it was the most unpredictable and unstable period of government than uh, the previous t- uh, late 70s. Now, we are, but I don't, in my mind... This is worse, isn't it? Or this is... Or this is worse just... because the... The, the likelihood of leaving the European Union on this kind of basis is cataclysmic for our of our country, and I think it is it is the equivalent of uh, going through a major conflict. But it's a it's a it's a civil conflict that we're going through. Add to that the frame of the constitutional framework for the union. This is uh, the this is the most significant. Uh, votes that the, this generation of politicians will be, will be able to win it, to make. So in that regard, the the seriousness is extremely high. The predictability of a political party, uh, which has had those kind of divisions for a quarter of a century, who and for people to think that those divisions would be parked in a a negotiation which inevitably would have to reach compromise I don't think has been I don't think that is unpredictable they're going to get parked though aren't they that's what's going to happen right the Tories never split the The Brexiteers will fold because it's this deal or no deal or or no Brexit sorry well Um, so they will fold and bizarrely somehow the Tories will get this deal through and hang together but since since this question of Europe has now got deep into that the, the, the psyche of the party. It is it is it is a party that uh, is a combination of pragmatists and nationalists. And it is the, the Conservative Party now is in many respects for England equivalent to the SNP in Scotland, where you have people who are wanting to be good governors and have yes. very little philosophical uh, or ideological drive. Yeah. And uh, and that's similar north of the border with many people in the SNP combined with nationalists who have identity politics in their gut and that the, the Tory party has been like that since it, uh, either since the, the times of pre-Great Repeal Act, of the time of the Corn Laws, of the times of Disraeli, of the times of free trade a hundred years ago and they've always tried to balance those two. What's been interesting now is that the, the English nationalist part is, is much to the fore and Theresa May, who was from the other part of the absolute classic Church of England pragmatist, mm. middle of the road, she went uh, all in with the nationalists. 
mm. at her Lancaster House speech. And when she did that, it was clear to my mind that there can be no compromises now on many of the issues where you have to reach compromise. Northern Ireland on some of the fundamentals of trade agreements. And just on that, to what extent is that hindsight? And oh, the, I, well, I, I'll refer, I refer you to the well, Lord's Hansard of my speech. Well, it's, all right, it's just before the referendum. I, mean, I was making you and I lived through the Scottish referendum. Oh, yeah. We saw it firsthand what the ref, what referenda do when it means settling a constitutional question when there aren't any buffers or corrective mechanisms afterwards. At least there was an element of that after the Scottish referendum because there was the Scotland Act and yes. we've now got very major tax powers delivered yes. north of the border. There was no equivalent corrective mechanisms as soon as David Cameron left the scene. Yes. The new Prime Minister, instead of trying to put forward a corrective mechanism for 48, said to the 48, you've lost. And that was a fundamental thing. And we would, we mentioned, I mentioned that repeatedly in the Lords. Many peers did, yes. funnily enough. All right, and that is checkable in Hansard. Yeah. So we can, we, we can <laughs> verify check, We can verify. But then who's to blame then? Because if you like, you know, it feels like there was the Lancaster speech there. And a lot of people now seem to say, if you look at the various speeches she made, they were always actually in Cooperland. The things she was saying that she was going to achieve were not compatible with, for example, particularly the Irish border question. Um, and yet, I don't remember anybody at the time really shouting loud enough and you well, know, confronting there were May many and her chums uh, uh, with uh, reality. I'm not. I'm, uh, it sounds like an advertorial for the House of Peers, but um, the, even before we had the withdrawal bill. Uh, which we then amended repeatedly. The debates that we had on the legislation to actually trigger Article 50, yes. and the government didn't even want legislation for that, was a key indicator of, well, why don't they? And the debate that we had on the Article 50 process in the House of Lords yes. were raising many of these deep, deep issues because at least there had been some members on all parties who were willing, who had got a lot of experience and didn't have an axe to grind. And because at that at that time, Jeremy Corbyn effectively gave an amber light to all of this process, uh, and Keir Starmer yes, was only at the start yeah. of his snail-like trying to edge tendency. Well, we'll see where that ends yes. up. But that snail-like approach, what that did was effectively create space that, in effect. Uh, allowed the Prime Minister to go all in with uh, the, 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 the English nationalists the with the full Brexiteers. The nationalists who you describe as having identity politics in their gut. Yeah. Now, the usual phrase might be in their DNA. You've chosen to say in their gut. Yes, because, because the, the only thing you have in your gut is poo. <laughs> no, and no. you're saying well, identity no, no, politics uh, is poo. Uh, there are very, is that what you're saying? Um, there are very many um, uh, positive digesters. Um, well, that is true. There's lots of from stuff Scandinavia that would say this is very healthy, very healthy uh, bacteria. However, no, I really want to hear a peer of the realm the say gut. identity politics is poo. How about bile? That's we don't have that in your gut, do you? <laughs> that's in somewhere. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's in your, that's in your gut. You don't really know. Um, but would I, you be tempted to say identity politics is poo? I wouldn't say in the uh, Lords' debate that is now beginning. See how smooth that was. See how I led on to the fact that the Lords are... No, I wouldn't. Uh, oh, that's a shame. I'd like to hear that. I'd like to see that in hand <laughs> um, 
Yes, the you haven't even bought me lunch or whether it's lunchtime yeah, podcast. No, I'm pretty so therefore, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, indigestion. I I say gut because it's the they're the same uh, trends that I've seen. Well, well, it's not trends so much that they are. There's a degree of nationalism which has always been there and has always been there, and they are they emotionalise in many respects uh, what they would also try and say is rational so that yes. because decisions are made here they're better than decisions can, that are made abroad where we share in that decision making process well, that and where, where have we heard that in Scottish right, politics for the last well exactly British, and, and you say we're not better because we're British and who does that you're, you're like a saboteur of that. I, say, I say we're we have the automatic <coughs> British ability to do things better don't you agree but the arguments that we're we are actually better off by being part of decision-making process has been demonstrated all the time in Europe and it's coming to the fore that many of the things that we are struggling to leave are things that we've helped shape and we're, we are better off than that but that argument doesn't cut if the whole government agenda effectively has legitimised the bring-back control argument and, and how can you then compromise on a bring-back-control negotiating stance? And the European Union, were, I think, were just bamboozled that we parked all of that pragmatism and we went all in on the gut. They um, must have thought this was poo, as well, we must have thought. Indeed. Yes, that's one word for it. What's, I don't know. What's French? Merde. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, that's French. I can't. I can do any other languages. I have a friend. I'll be in the Middle East this weekend, and I've got a friend in the Middle East, and she's a politician there. And she said, "We are we are laughing and crying at Britain at the, in the moment. Middle East. I mean, you know, they're not without their problems. And they look. And that's the reason they're laughing at us because they think that we are just being humbled, and there's no hard thing of the UK being humbled around the world. They're crying because it's a, they see it as a tragedy because what they still look up to, which is the the some of the core essence of what they would consider to be British, which is this values-based pragmatism, yeah. they see being parked. And when they think that we used to have a controlling element or at least some form of check on the US in many respects, we've we've left the park. And and it's the it's the combination of what we're doing internally I see when I travel abroad and I'm on the International Relations Committee in the yeah. world and I see a lot of that work it is a it is an utter tragedy of the humbling of our great nation what are you doing in the Middle East go do some uh, Christmas shopping working, uh, going to what is it that time of year going to are you a wise man are you going to see the baby Jesus well that's the, uh, that, that's only one part of the Middle East well, that's true that would, get a bite would, nice, uh, get some nice the, dates funny Christmas. enough there are very few people in the Middle East that would celebrate Christmas so that's, that it's fantastic true. to be away from Christmas to be in either both a, um, a Jewish or mid or Arab What are you doing? Are you going to, to bring peace to the Middle East? Uh, no, it, well, it's part of governance building, yes. So I did a lot of visits to, I've been to Iraq very many times, trying to help restore governments after ISIS uh, have been expelled. And I was outside Mosul many times over the last year. And all during, the, and this is why I've got also a, a perspective sorry. of... You could do that. <laughs> of, um, a bit shifty about where you're going at the weekends. You actually go do a bit of spying. Do I look like a spy? Well, would I, yeah, would I, would who, I who, who knew? Who would know? A bit of spying over the weekend. Yeah. Have you punched the Taliban while you were out there or something? <laughs> a different country. Oh. 
well. Uh, Trying to throw me off the. Was that just a test to work out yeah. how good a spy I was? You to know ISIS. which radicalised people in the particular way. Um, what are you going out there with the House of Lords? No, no. It's a, I do uh, government support, uh, right, yeah. and uh, many, I do many visits to the Middle East well, now. That does sound a bit far-fetched. That must be a bit embarrassing these days. But let me tell you how to do good governance. And then they it's, look at Britain and go, It is harder. You're right, it, you go home it and is hard. do a bit of work in well, Westminster, mate. Yeah, it they does, can do with you more than we Some do. of the visits have restored some of my faith because they, they inevitably take a much longer view. You start questions, our discussion, by saying, Is this the most uh, crazy time that we're going through? Uh, there are some people who do look at it in a, in a broader sweep, but that doesn't help the folk who, across primarily England, and Wales who wanted to, to they thought Brexit was going to be offering something to respond to their challenges yes. uh, they live in the moment other people around the world do see Britain in a much broader sweep yeah it's slightly comforting that then they look at that broader sweep they then very quickly say but if we take the broader sweep we do then have to bring into consideration all the times that you've created problems for us mm, so, that's true yeah but well, it's the it's the cr it's the laughing yeah. and crying simultaneously yeah. that really stuck a, struck a chord with me because there is an element of that at the moment right and how we get out of this situation is a is a tricky one you're all right how do we get over it there we go that leads us on to what happens next predict for me what is gonna happen so we got the Lords are going to have a vote on Monday and they're going to say this Brexit sounds a bit rubbish to us because you know, the, the government doesn't have a majority there but that doesn't actually affect anything in uh, immediate or concrete terms. I they then switch to the Commons and Theresa May loses. Think. I think it will be rejected in the Lords and I think it will be done in a reasoned way and it will be uh, argument based. I. It's very hard to see how uh, the government can win approval in the Commons for this agreement. Then what? I think the fundamental aspect now is the Labour Party. It has to be clear that the Labour Party will now say that there has to be a referendum in end of January or February, which says to the... Because if the government... Right, hang on, let's just if Theresa May, is, if just Theresa May stays... Hang on, let's wind that back a bit. Because if she loses... And this is because of the stuff that went through yesterday, the Grieve Amendment yesterday, Parliament can add a referendum clause to well, whatever she brings back. This is and where, that's how you get the referendum. Well, the problem, with, the problem with his position is that I, I think on a constitutional basis, Andrew Leadsom, who was saying this morning, querying that, I think she's probably right. Unless we change the legislation, the legislation that the Commons passed, which the Lords was reluctant to pass, has set a date. Yes. And the only option under law that Parliament has passed and has had royal assent is that if there is no agreement and uh, the government cannot bring back within the 21 days an alternative position, yes. the default standing under law yes. is that we are out under no terms at all agreed terms. Yes. So, so I think the statement by the Commons that, that doesn't want that has to be followed up and it's certainly doable that's certainly doable but it will require another mechanism which, okay. so it's there will have to be some legislation that's passed right but so that you but that that almost is a technicality because the the developing will now means that if Theresa May is still the Prime Minister 
Yes. Do you and think she will be? Well, I think this is the big question mark. I think it's, I think it, it's absolutely 50-50. Okay. Because if she loses, it's such a lift there. <laughs> I think it's 50, I think it's 52-48. Uh, How about that? For what? I'm such, I... 52-48 for, for her going? For her going. going. Right, okay. Still, How about that? I quite, think I'll be... I, Debbie, but okay, yeah. I just simply reflect the country. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, they, if they don't get rid of her, and she wants to put that forward, the only way that that agreement could actually be passed now is by the people saying, we want that. And the only way... And I think it's now down, the, the, and it's the challenge. There's challenges on both sides. The challenges for the Conservatives: do they do they keep Theresa May as the Prime Minister, who will push for something which they will think is doomed? And the Labour Party will have to. And the challenge for the Labour Party is they can no longer, with any credibility, say that the, the general election is the alternative to it, because there would be three Conservative parties and there would be two Labour parties fighting a general election. <laughs> Okay, right, let's not get bogged down in that. Let's so the only your prediction is a referendum, referendum in end of uh, January. End of January. Okay. And I think it I think we could have a burn we could have a burns a burns burn referendum. referendum. And oh I am not gonna get I think you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have lunch, so let's not get bogged down in it. But broadly the result of that referendum is. I'm not getting into what the question is, but the result of the referendum And the question is, is a simple one. Is it, the, is it the withdrawal agreement that the Conservatives have, have, have put forward, or is it staying on the exactly the same terms? And what wins? The exact staying on exactly the Remain same terms. Wins. Absolutely. Without it, I don't have any... I have no doubt now. Okay. Um, that said, I did think that we would... I have no doubt now <laughs> that we're remaining in the EU. Okay. Um, let's just briefly cover what we are generally trying to cover. I think the, the only alternative really is for this to go on for another couple of years and the European Union and the European Union will absolutely not have that. So we've got ourselves into a corner and therefore so the you, only... You've just made a, a big prediction there. You're right in a corner now. The only way out is for the, the country to make the decision which the Conservative Party has failed to do because it's put the gut in the ascendancy. Okay. So the values-based pragmatism part has to come back. And the people will now see what the actual alternative is. Can't we call it the poo ascendancy? I mean, that sounds pretty good. Um, you know, I can tweet that. That's a good hashtag, that is. Um, right, couple the of things. Poo ascendancy. Of that's like the worst Jason Bourne <laughs> <laughs> sequel. A couple of things. We usually try and do PMQs in review on this podcast. Obviously, there are bigger, bigger things at play at the moment. But briefly, at uh, PMQs this week. Jeremy Corbyn went on welfare and poverty and the UN report from two weeks ago. Yeah. That was crazy, wasn't it? Why didn't he go on Brexit? Any ideas? Uh, in a way, I thought it was quite in, I thought it was quite clever in a way because and this is where there's the, the, the my I will come back to my profound disappointment. But the the I thought it was quite good. He talked about the issues which people have conflated with connected with Brexit. But he's complicit in that. There are deeper social and economic issues for our country. I'm not saying the issues he raised aren't big issues, but my my disappointment was that the solutions that he that he has connected with them are also out of kilter. 
and it builds this. But I, I what I agree with him is that we can't lose sight of the fact of why we have some of these issues. And for me, one a lot of reason why we're in this position is that people had the opportunity in the Brexit referendum to pass judgment on what they thought were the symptoms. And they made the connection with being in the EU with some of the challenges that he's raised. He's right to raise them. Um, but but uh, unless there are solutions to some of these deeper ones, the, my tragedy is that since the referendum now, it's sucked up so much negative energy in government that nothing else is being done. And that and we are just at the start. Yeah, that's yes. I think every is slowly waking up. A lot of people have been saying it for some time, but everybody's waking up to the fact that this is going to go on for a very, very long time. So we need time. lots of this, lots of this very, uh, very positive bacteria for our gut. Yes, we positive need... Brexit bacteria. Yes, exactly. Who is a positive Brexit bacteria? Vince Cable, is he a positive Brexit? Let's not get into that. Um, at PMQ, there was one Lib Dem person this week. Jamie Stone wants to send chooksters into space. That's basically what he said, right? I mean, that is basically I'm paraphrasing slightly, but um, Jamie Stone is getting a spaceport in the Highlands, which just sounds like a ridiculous phrase anyway, um, and he wants uh, his constituents to build it, he wants them to get, he didn't, he just said he wanted lots of jobs yes. associated with it. That's why he's Does such that a good, astronaut? that's why he's such Does a good want, MP and my very good friend, Jamie, that's why. Does he want tutors in space? Hashtag tutors in space. Um, I think if you, if you want to re, re record some of these messages that we send out to the stratosphere from yes. Earth. Jamie Stone would be an excellent one well, to record some really, messages I mean, on behalf of the be, Highlands. I don't want to be racist about Highlanders, but my experience of the Highlanders is that they are very laid back and they don't rush things. My experience of Highlanders, and I think when you're in space, that is a good, I think the, a good uh, quality to have. As a good border, as a good border, and as a representative well, of the border, and as a good border, and as someone who represented the borders, if they can get their hands on any inward grants or any support, and you know what, they they robbed us blind for getting structural aid assistance from the EU. So now, it's, Jamie must be thinking space is uh, EU's no other option, so he's going for space. space That's and good on him for doing it. I, if Jamie Stone was leading a Lib Dem mission into space, would you go on his spaceship shuttle? I would. If if it was uh, Captain Stone, I would. Yeah. I would be. <laughs> Brilliant. I would be chief engineer Purvis. <laughs> there is. And we can only. <laughs> there's an image to end on. Lib Dems. Well, some sort of colony in space. Maybe and that's the future. Jamie can be the, the authentic Scotty. Yes, of course. Oh, nice one. A lovely, lovely way to end. Okay, thank you to uh, Jeremy Purvis, my first ever guest on this podcast, and now my last, until next week. If you wish to discuss anything in this podcast, if you've got any points you want to raise about uh, any of the uh, strange words we've used, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on the email. Please do get in touch. Uh, and come back next week for another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcast. Thank you and goodbye.